Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. I'm privileged to have Tom Ainsley here with me. Tom, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So, Tom, we met about seven or eight years ago when you just started this company. That's and it. And now, how many employees do you have? We're up to about 15 full-time right now. 15 full-time. So, to get us started, Tom, tell us who you are and what you do in about 90 seconds. Sure. So, as you said, my name's Tom Ainsley. I'm the CEO of Ainsley & Company. Originally, we started as Baltimore Media Group, but uh, essentially, my firm, we're a marketing agency located in Baltimore. Um, we started back in 2010 um, as uh, Baltimore Media Group, mainly based on my experience doing public relations from the firm I worked at in North Carolina, uh, which is now part of Ketchum, uh, and then my experience here working for a, a Hearst Radio property in Baltimore. Um, our firm is, you know, calls an ad agency, a PR firm, uh, you know, video production. I, there's so many different names and, and monikers going back to, you know, the 1960s and Mad Men. But, um, you know, basically today we're a marketing agency. We're uh, a catalyst for companies who are looking to grow. And they nice. come in and they hire us and they say, hey, we have these growth goals, be they, you know, revenue uh, growth or uh, obviously is the uh, most common, but also geographic expansion, new product, uh, merger and acquisition, recruitment, a lot of different problems or challenges related to growth. And they say, hey, what can you help us with? How can you help us uh, reach these goals or, or take care of these problems? That's brilliant. And we're going to dig deeper into that a little later on. But uh, I just want to do a sanity check because you were about eight years ago, the top salesperson at a local radio station, earning a great living. And what inspired you to kind of leave the security of that job? And you had just had a new child, right? Uh, your first yep. child? Yeah, I moved to Baltimore in 05 um, from Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, down there I'd worked at a public relations firm. So looking to move to Baltimore, I had looked for opportunities in corporate communications at, at McCormick, at T. Rowe, at, at any of the companies that you know were institutions here in town that had bigger corp comm departments. So I uh, didn't have a lot of success as somebody from uh, uh, North Carolina with no relationships here who was just moving here for the first time. I went to East Carolina, so it wasn't like I was walking in with a Harvard MBA. Right. Um, and so, yeah, found a job in, in uh, media sales at uh, WBAL Radio. So you're making a ton of dough. What inspired you to leave the security of a job with a new child and start your own agency? Yeah, I, I think it coincided with uh, uh, kind of some come to Jesus moments with the birth of my first child. I've got three daughters now. They're eight, six, and four. But, you know, eight years ago, uh, when my first daughter was born, I had been looking around kind of at where I was and said, okay, I'm a, a salesperson at an AM news talk station, which I love the property and the platform. But, you know, I have to work for 40 more years, right? Like I, I was 27, 28 and said, um, this ain't going to be here. What's going to feed your soul as well, right? Right. Doing interesting work. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and, and and I think that was a big challenge is that in media sales, you are a transactional person. Someone else has made the decision of what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, what the message is, and you're just selling spots. And that just, that, that didn't do it for me. 
So you were telling me that uh, you know at that time you had actually been to an event where they had Gary V was was uh, sharing his ideas. What about his delivery or his message got you to kind of pull the trigger? Yeah. So as part of a local sales team for a traditional media outlet, I was looking for um, partnerships and things like that in the area to bring you know an AM station into uh, uh, the 21st. World. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The internet. It's not a fad. Um, so uh, looked at some events that the Greater Baltimore Tech Council was having and my first event I ever went to for the GBTC uh, was Tech Night in 2009. It was October 16th, 2009 at the Baltimore uh, uh, Convention Center. And I'll never forget it. I walked in and before even going into the hall, like just seeing the people that were showcasing the vendors, the exhibitors, um, all the, the entrepreneurs, tech companies, immediately there's just this rush of adrenaline like these are my people like this was what i was looking for nice regardless of how i fit in and what i was going to do this these is what people i want to hang day. around with right and so the keynote that night was gary v before he was who he is now with his you know 200 million dollar agency in new york and uh commanding the fees he has now um but it was interesting he was he was energizing and he's you know he's a boisterous loud mouth abrasive get in your face uh no bullshit kind of guy um, and some, you know, how, he, he puts out a lot of stuff, but you know what? It doesn't mean that the message is wrong. It doesn't mean that um, he's not doing some really, really smart and interesting work. So, yeah, as much as I, I may hate to admit it, I got to give him credit. I went home that night and I said, I have to quit my job. I told my wife, uh, who again, you know, I had, we'd had a kid five weeks before. Right. I said, we need to move out of the townhouse, move in with the in laws. She wasn't working at the time. So, let's give up the six figure salary and start over. And she said, yay, team. <laughs> I don't know if yay is the right word, but it was a affirmative after a couple of conversations. But she said, okay, I trust you. Let's do it. So, Tom, who's your favorite superhero and why? Favorite superhero? So, uh, I'd probably say, and I don't know if it's a superhero. Yeah, Wolverine, right, from the X-Men. It's just right. even growing up, uh, for whatever reason, it's just going to the, the uh, bowling alley or the arcade or whatever else. Everybody wanted to be Wolverine. Right. And then uh, with the movies that have come out, it's just I mean, he's an interesting character. Right. He's, he's strong. He's, he's uh, endured through uh, generations. Right. He doesn't die. So um, it's just an interesting thing to see him adapt. And I think that for me and for the agency, there's a lot of similarities because we have to evolve. Most companies that maybe make a widget or what have you, I mean, they have to evolve as well. But for us, the services we offer um, are whatever our client needs and whatever we can deliver on and wherever we think we can point them in the right direction. So it's so keep going and be it. a value. That's it. So Tom, tell me about a pivotal moment in the growth of your company where things might've gone sideways, where you, uh, uh, kept the ship, uh, straight and you grew the company. Yeah, sure. So, uh, as an agency, you know, there's, I mean, with clients, when you lose a client, it's not necessarily because you did anything wrong or they let you go. That's not it at all. We had a client that um, had grown to be a, a pretty uh, significant source of, of revenue, and we'd staffed accordingly to be able to, to serve that client. And uh, all of a sudden, one, uh, the day came where they had actually sold their business, right? They, uh, the owner decided- It's a happy day. Went, right, he wanted to go and do something else. He split the company up and sold it, but all of a sudden that uh, MRR, that monthly recurring revenue goes away. And so, uh, you know, it happens, but you know, as a somewhat inexperienced owner at the time, you look and you say, okay, great. 
you don't necessarily immediately start changing staffing levels. And right. uh, I was really sensitive to not wanting to be that type of agency. I mean, there's some that have the reputation of, you know, staff up and lay off and what have you. Um, and that's just not who we wanted to be. So, uh, you know, a couple of months later, um, after that MRR had gone away, that recurring revenue had gone away and the balance sheet started to get uh, hit a little bit, we started to say, hey, we're overstaffed. We have more people than we have work. And it's, again, not because we did anything wrong. Happy day for our client, but we needed to make some changes. So what changes did you make? Well, I mean, we had to reduce our staff, right? We had some people that um, we had very tough conversation with. And, you know, as much as I say to them, hey, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your performance here. This is just, you know, very simply a, a staffing change. It still hurts. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard. And it's conflict that I don't embrace. And at the same time for them, I'm sure, it, you know, they may understand it at some point, but I'm sure it fell on deaf ears because it's, it's not a good thing and it's not a happy moment. So looking back at that event, would you have made the decision sooner to uh, reduce the staffing? Yeah, there's two, probably two decisions I would have made. Number one, you know, the key learning is don't ever let a single client represent that much of your overall revenue, right? right. Like as soon as you, uh, there's, there was one quote from Mad Men, I, even though I didn't really watch the show, uh, that somebody says that, uh, the day you uh, sign a client is the day you start losing them. And so it's going to happen. So you have to plan for it. So now, even when good things happen and a new client comes on board and they continuously expand their relationship with us, you got to plan for when they're not going to be there. So maybe you look at that, that growth and say, okay, how, how long is that growth? Are they going to be here for how many years? And do we staff up with full-time W-2s? Do we bring in partners to fulfill? You know, if we want to maintain a culture here, that's, that's what I want for the company, the staff up and layoff game does not work. And so we uh, may have grown uh, a little more slowly there. And at the same time, when the revenue went away, probably would have made some quicker decisions. Nice. So one of the things that we have to do as uh, human beings, as business people, is we need to connect emotionally with our employees, with mm -hmm. our customers. So tell me about one of your uh, campaigns where you actually influence the emotions of either the end user or the employees to kind of create that connection and get the results the organization wanted. Sure. So for a client, that's actually the biggest part of our business right now, isn't clients that are coming to us and saying, hey, we need help with revenue growth um, through new customer acquisitions. It's actually people coming and saying, hey, the pipeline's full, but we just can't find the people. I mean, the unemployment rate is what, 4.2% yeah, I think right lack now? Lack of tenant, uh, talent. And, and we're in Maryland, right? So yeah. federal government, Fort Meade, all these things going on, depending on what business you're actually in. I mean, it's probably closer to 3% is what most people are feeling. Mm -hmm. So the talent and the recruitment is not going out and finding people that are sitting on their butts because they're just not there. The smart people, they have jobs and they may not be actively searching. So for us, what, what we uh, when we work with a company, what we have to do is say, okay, what is going on in that employee's life? If we profile that person and we say, okay, it's a 35 to 45 year old male with this level of uh, education. They went to UMBC, they got this degree, they've got a PhD, whatever. They probably live in the Columbia area. They've got two kids, they've got XYZ. Where are they in their life? And then what needs do they have that aren't being met? And what is it that's, that, that they would be interested in and possibly changing jobs? And it's not the, always the, the normal 401k and healthcare and salary. Like those things are great. But really, it comes down to culture and being a part of a team. So the campaigns that we come up with are, hey, let's sit down and say, okay, what does your recruitment look like? Not just your recruitment team. What does your careers page look like? What are your actual benefits? What are the benefits that may not fall under a traditional benefits category, but are non-traditional that you could use that you could get a lot of mileage out of? Uh, one example, we're recording this, obviously, in March. We've got St. Patrick's Day coming up on, what is it, the 16th, 17th? Yep. We're closed. 
And people look at me and say, wait, it's a holiday? What we rolled out about three or four months ago is we looked at what benefits we could offer our team. We've got a young team. They like to travel. They value experiences, all the things that you read about. So we said, great, let's make sure instead of just say, you know, an extra point on the 401k, which we, we actually did that too. Um, let's make sure that every single month that doesn't have one already, there's a three-day weekend. And so we Brilliant. just made up holidays. Like we already had three weeks, 15 days of PTO for everybody anyway, plus all the bank holidays. But we made up days. We've got Magna Carta Day. We've got Mouse Day. We've got St. Patrick's Day. Do you have Umar Day? No. What's that? No, there's a Tom Day, though. Literally, my oh, business yeah. partner, Rick Faint, said that <laughs> August. We looked at it. My birthday's in August. And he said, great, Founders Day. So, we, so every month, my team, no matter what they have going on, they've got a three-day weekend. What date in August? August 4th. 18th on my okay. side. Very so, cool. uh, Tom, what's... Who's a mentor for you, and what attribute do they have that really speaks to you? Sure. So the first person is, uh, I'd say, my business partner, Rick Faint. He came on board last year, um, very accomplished entrepreneur, uh, reformed lawyer, as he likes to say, um, also uh, accountant, accounting degree from Towson. Um, and so he came on board, and he has just a wealth of experiences that I haven't had, right? Um, he's taken companies public. He's worked with... Um, teams in manufacturing and software all over the place. Um, so a lot of different things. I think for him coming into the business, what it's really given me is it's freed me up, number one, to focus on business development, account management, really working with clients and doing nice. the creative that I like, where he's been working on the operations of the company, taking kind of a CFO role, taking the general counsel role, taking over some of those things. But his real goal is and in, in, um, joy comes from teaching and mentoring the team. So he's running our team through things like um, Five Dysfunctions of a Team from Lincioni. He, we've written Seven Habits. I saw your books. Last time I was here at some event, there was like a bookcase yeah. of amazing books. Yeah, that's. I mean, because that's it. Continuous learning. That's another thing that he's instituted here is that you know we all talk about it, but personal development. We give every employee a budget every single month and say, here, go learn anything. We don't care. We don't even care if it's related to this, and you know, probably should. No matter be. what you learn, you're going to yeah. you're going to learn like, something amazing and become a better human. Right. Go learn archery. Go learn how to be an arborist. Go learn uh, scuba diving. Go learn if you, whatever it may be. I mean, naturally, people here gravitate towards things that help them here, but we, we don't care as long as we instill that that uh, continuous learning mentality, then you're going to be open to picking up new things that'll help you here too. So how do you know you're a good leader? Like, what's the criteria you use for yourself? That's hard to say because I don't feel like I am a good leader. There's always a self-doubt and mm -hmm. I always think somebody else can do, it, uh, can do it better. But I think the ability to see um, around the bend and see what's coming and you know, predict the future is not the right word, but see what's happening right now and what implications they're going to have in the future. You know, I think that's true from a, a client-based standpoint. I think it's true from uh, looking at the employees that we have here and the team members that we're going to need, the services we're going to offer, financials, where we need to make sure that we're shoring up or where we need to invest. I think that's something that for me, I just, I feel like I'm good at and I really get excited and enjoy doing is figuring out what else can we do. Yeah, so, so that, being relevant on a continual basis to the right. uh, community out there, what other uh, elements of leadership do you think are important? I, I mean, I think putting your employees first, right? So I think there are, I mean, that's what everyone's talking about, but I think it's always been true. 
Because if your employees aren't happy, they're not going to produce. And if they don't produce, then your customers aren't happy. If you're making products, then your products are going to stink. Your safety record's going to be bad. So investing in employees, even if you're the most, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge, miserly old person, like it just makes good business sense to put employees first. Makes sense. Right. Even if that's your goal and it's just about the pennies, which for me and others, it's not. It's just dumb not to do that. So put your people first and and spend there and you'll get it on the outcome. So vision, putting your employees first. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're going to add the third one to it. Um, I just think for us, it, it's being that word catalyst, and I mentioned it before. Like that's what we want to be for our employees and their lives. That's what we want to be for our clients. We want to unstick things. We want to be a catalyst for change, whatever, and for growth, whatever is going on. I, I think um, people have undervalued uh, where they work and not really cared. Oh, it's a job. I take my paycheck. I go do what I want to do. And uh, same thing, I think, is true with marketing. A lot of companies. Not the ones that really understand it and rely on it as their their lifeblood, but a lot of companies just they spend their couple percent of revenue on marketing, and they're like, oh, we did some stuff. There were some press releases. We did a whatever. They they don't really hold it accountable like they should. So we want to come in and shake things up and say, no, this should be successful. Here's your ROI. Here's how we're going to unstick things. And a blog post ain't the way to do it. It's 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 more than that. So Tom. Uh a lot of small business owners with small teams, mm-hmm. one of the most uh, challenging things, I was interviewing 140 uh, sales managers, and the question I had was, if this is the sales process, getting the appointment, doing the presentation, handling objections, closing the deal, and then going deepening into the account of getting referrals, where do your salespeople get stuck? And two things tied. Uh, Want to guess with the two things with their people had difficulties? No, go ahead. Where? Getting appointments. Okay. And closing the deal were the two areas that tied for first place. And then I asked, what's that costing you? How much money is the salesperson leaving on the table? And they said 50% of their revenue potential gets left on the table if they don't get enough quality appointments. Yep. No, the first one is I'm hugely passionate about. When you talk about getting appointments for me, I just call it getting noticed in the first place. Like the appointment is almost to me the second one to ask for the appointment because you have to be almost engaged in the conversation already to get the appointment. So we for us, we put that on our shoulders as marketers and we say to our clients, hey, that's our job. Tell us exactly who the customer, your perfect prospect is. Who is it that you want to meet? What's their geographic, demographic, psychographic descriptors? What you know, who are they? What do they want to do? What do they? What does their week look like? What are, when do they have sales meetings? So uh, give me a real life example of. Uh, you can name the customer if you want, but say you know, hey, we had this company. They were doing this, and this is how we help them get in front of. Uh, their ideal customers. Yeah, absolutely. This is a recruiting story, so it's great. So we had a, a client of ours who came to us and said, hey, I, again, same thing. Revenue's great. Pipeline's great. Our problem is that we're not getting, we don't have the people to do the job. And I said, well, where are you recruiting? They said, oh, we've, you know, Craigslist. We've got the uh, want ads in the paper. And I said, well, guys, come on. It's 2017 at the time. I said, that. no wonder that's not working. I mean, that's just dredging the button. Like, there's no careers page. There's no value proposition. There's no message from leadership. So we look and we said, who is it that you're trying to reach? And they said, we're trying to reach young men 18 to 25. And I said, and you're trying to reach men 18 to 25 and you're putting ads in a physical paper? paper yeah. Like, come on, guys. So we said, I, I, and we looked at the owners and said, I know you're not on Facebook. I know you're not on Instagram. I know you're not on Snapchat. But if your audience is 18 to 25-year-old men, I can get those for you. So we put together a campaign that just 
help people be excited about what the opportunity was at the, the company and understand what the company's place in the world was so that they could be excited about the work that they were doing. Because this was this was construction, it was manufacturing, it was right. lower end, um, not highly educated white collar stuff. And so there's gotta be a purpose to make them wanna work there. So we put together a campaign, landing page, messaging, and even a benefits program to get those people uh, to find them in the first place, come in and have a conversation, feel good about it enough to take a job and stay there. Nice, because I think it brings up, uh, I think my three favorite words are uh, relevant. How can you be relevant to the audience you're mm -hmm. serving? And that's a good example of that. Uh, integrity, how you can stay true to your values as an organization. And number three is focus. How do you stay focused and not get distracted? Yep. And it sounds like all three came into uh, uh, play in that. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, relevance is huge. Is, is Again, instead of trying to tell people that what you're doing or what you're selling is what they should be interested in, that's why we profile the customer. What's going on in their lives? And then how do we solve one of their problems? I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what you're trying to sell. Solve one of their problems, find a way to help them, and then you're going to be relevant and they're going to want to pay you back. The, on the, the last side, what was the third one that you mentioned? Focus. Focus. Focus is the biggest problem I see with marketers and with sellers. It's just people running around like little spastic chickens with their heads cut off. and not that anything that they're doing is wrong, but they never do anything for a long enough time to see results. It's like, what's the old sales uh, adage that uh, most people require, what, seven, eight, nine touch points, and most yes. salespeople give up at number two or three? Right. It's not that number one, two, or three were wrong. They just didn't finish the damn thing. So what's the best business advice you've ever gotten? The best business advice that I've ever gotten? Don't talk to Umar. <laughs> I didn't listen to that one. No, um, there's a lot, and I guess it depends on back to relevance, right? Like which one is, is uh, relevant to me. Right now, the one that, that I'm really focused on and having a, a good time with is from Jim Collins in Great by Choice. Uh, fire bullets, then cannonballs. That's what we do with our clients, and it's... So test first. That's it, and, and because if either in the business if we're talking about an investment or with a campaign for our clients or for anything that we as idea people think may be right, that's great. Look at the data and make sure that that plays it out. And even if you think it's right and the data says it's right, how do we test it, right? It gets back to the, uh, I think it's minimum viable product, right? right? How could we learn, if we've got a hypothesis, how do we test it without deploying all of our resources at once? Test it, have measurable results, and then we can go in having data that says that we know we're right. And we live in a day and age where that's much easier to do than it was 20 years ago. Right, absolutely. There's so many ways that you could Throw $2,000 at Facebook and you could get a decent uh, right. well, data set. Right, exactly, but you, you may be testing a landing page, you may be testing a message, you may be testing like, is this our customer? I, there's so many different things, but isolate a variable. That's the biggest thing that most people yep. don't do, is that they've got five variables that they change. And you like, can't oh, tell what work, that means, yeah. Which one didn't work? You changed five each time, so I, you don't learn anything. So uh, we're uh, in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, selling is harder than ever. Mm -hmm. uh, what could salespeople do? People working for different companies by themselves uh, to improve their sales from your point of view? I think the biggest thing that I see, this is really true for early stage salespeople, but it's just um, I've, mentality that I always have is sell by helping. Right, so if you put enough good, you know, call it karma, whatever you want to, out into the marketplace, I think good will come back. And if you've actually got the expertise, 
you know, there's nothing I love more than meeting with a prospect or client or, or, you know, whatever it may be, friend, a first time, and we start talking about what's going on and just pull out a napkin and start writing down, well, here's what I might do, X, Y, Z. You know, don't worry about, you know, qualifying them and then this and a proposal. Just start helping them. At some point, the contract will take care of itself if they're the right fit. Yeah, what I hear way too often is people saying, well, I don't want to give away my stuff. And the, the reality is nobody cares about your stuff. And your stuff's not that special. Yeah. Like and, that, yeah, I, I think everybody thinks that they've got this great idea that no one else has ever thought of. And I think, oh, Jesus, I'm going to go back to Vaynerchuk again. But it's like, you know, the ideas aren't shit. Execution is everything. Absolutely. I think just building that relationship and giving freely because if you do that, a lot of people do not have that skill set or don't want to be messing with it, but if they see you as an expert, then it's a no-brainer. Right. If you hold back and go be coy about it, then you, they pick up a vibe that gets in the way. Yeah, it's confrontational already. It's like, I, I used to equate it, there's a, um, uh, if you we walked into a, there was a client that we were working with, and we were trying to consult with them on customer experience at a physical, at a retail location. And just their old, their old showrooms were set up where you would walk in the door and what would happen is the salesperson who was all the way in the back with the big like eight by eight glass window, right. who was sitting there you know, doing his crossword, would get up, see you, put on his jacket, come out, and it was just instantly confrontational because you knew there was this negotiation that right. was going to happen. And it's just, it's a poor customer experience. If you just help people answer their questions, they'll open up and they'll give you everything. So your oldest daughter, mm -hmm. how old is she now? She's eight. So when she's 18 or 28 and oh she's starting God. her yeah her company what would be the uh, advice you'd give her that would allow her to uh, uh, accelerate her success I think it's well first of all for entrepreneurship I'd make sure hey is this what you really want to do because it's hard it's been glorified it's the cool thing to do to start your own business but the, I mean, be prepared to work 70, 80 hour weeks. Like be prepared to be on vacation and deal with clients. Be unprepared to be, you know, uh, to have panic attacks or anxiety. Like make sure, first of all, that's what you want to do. But number two is do something you love. Yeah. You know, make sure that it's something you're excited about. Like whatever it is that you read when you go to the beach and you're sitting out there with your toes in the water, whatever the business thing is or whatever it is that you're reading and you're interested in, make that your business because then you'll be successful because you're just a sponge. Nice. So, Tom, thanks so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. I learned a lot. Uh, how can people get a hold of you and your agency? Right. They can see us online, AinsleyAgency.com. Um, shoot me an email, Tom at AinsleyAgency.com, or come find us right here. We're in uh, Harbor East in Baltimore City. Brilliant. Thanks so much for sitting down with me. Great. It's been great. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 